Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you are joining us midweek. Today's message is a special message from a Cambodia missionary. Her name, Emily Greenwald. This message was given during our Sunday evening service on February 14th, 2020. We want to encourage you to join us in person at one or all of our services. Our doors are open Sunday mornings at 1030, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, and Wednesdays at 645. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. When you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message. We will always be up to date. We hope this message would be an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. So grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. As a, a member of a church where I was assistant pastor for a number of years, uh, Penwood Bible Church in uh, Everett, and that's where I got to, uh, to meet and to know Emily. That's where Gigi got to meet and to know Emily. And, you know, Andy and I have been leading worship for, uh, together for a while now. And uh, for the first few years that we led worship, almost every time we were together, Emily was sitting back where Linda is uh, right now. Well, actually, I guess where Nick is right now. It's just on the, it was on the other side back then. But she would run the computer for us and uh, just had uh, such a servant's heart. And uh, she was involved, actively involved in the children's ministry that I oversaw as well. And so I uh, got a chance to serve with her. Uh, and to, to see her heart for missions. And we've been waiting for a long time to know where God was going to send her. We didn't have any doubt that she had a calling on her life uh, to ministry and to missions. But she didn't know God, uh, God hadn't revealed to her. You know, this morning we talked about God having a plan, and it's not always our plan. But uh, when God reveals the plan, we go. And uh, so you're going to get to see that in action tonight as uh, God, uh, in, from our perspective, finally revealed where she's going to go. And Gigi and I... Uh, know her not only uh, through ministry, but she's also such a dear friend to our family because uh, for a year she was Elijah's nanny, and she would come be with Elijah every Monday. And so we know her very well. Uh, we dearly love her. She has an incredible heart for the Lord. I know she's going to be a blessing uh, to you tonight as well as she shares uh, her heart for missions. Uh, let me just say one more thing before she comes, uh, and that is that uh, she she does have a table that's set up uh, out here. We we want to social distance as much as we can, but also want to give you an opportunity uh, to, to learn more about her ministry uh, after the service. So there's a table she set up out here in the foyer. Also want to let you know tonight that we're going to take up uh, a love offering for her as you go out the door. Uh, so everything that you give tonight in the offering, there'll be a, an offering plate uh, at each door that's going to go to her. If you would feel led to uh, write a check, make it out to our church, uh, put her name on the memo, and uh, we'll make sure... Uh, we'll just put that all together and make sure she gets one uh, love offering from us together. So with all that said, Emily, come share with us what uh, God has put on your heart for us tonight. All right. Am I on? Okay. Sweet. So, um, yeah, DJ and Gigi have been super um, a part of our family. It's... Um, amazing to be at this point of being in the church that God has called him to uh, minister, and it's been such a blessing to our heart because we've been walking through that process with him um, for a long time, and we got to walk through the process of him finding a wife and then having a child, and so it's just um, really a fun journey that we've been able to walk together, and I, I just love that I can be here and be a part of this moment right now, and um, so, just pardon any stumbles I have, this is only the second time I'm presented in the church, so 
Um, I'm still a little nervous by some reasons, but um, just wanted to really share with you guys and just be open and honest and be able to help you guys um, see how the Lord has led me to serve the people of Cambodia and to share just a little bit of scripture with you. Um, every missionary has to come to a realization that they cannot do ministry alone, um, including myself, very much including myself. It takes many people on the home side to partner in various ways to spread the gospel. And in my case, it's in the country of Cambodia. In your case, it might be right here in your neighborhood. Um, I just hope this presentation motivates each of you to take that next step forward in whatever uh, he's calling you to do in your walk with him. Um, and not to just dismiss it and say, you know, okay, I'm not called to go halfway across the world. Um, but to really take heart in different of the things that the Lord has worked in my life to be able to say, okay, he can do that in mine as well in the calling that he has put me forward um, for. So I just want to show a little interview of how he's equipped me to serve, where I'm going, who the people are, why I'm going, and what we are going to do to help introduce them to the life-saving love of Jesus Christ. So you can go ahead and change that slide there. So in order to introduce myself, I have to introduce my family, and really DJ and Gigi should be up there too, because they are a part of our family. Um, they had been for many years. He actually lived in my brother's house for a while, um, and um, so that was really fun, the different stories we had um, of him roughing it in the woods of Pennsylvania, <laughs> um, and so um, it's it's just fun. Um, this is my mom and my dad. Um, my dad's a landscaper, and so we grew up in a little valley called Snake Spring Valley, and um, my mom um, was by his side through all of that. And um, then there is my, my brother and his family, my sister and her family. Um, and there's four little ones in this picture, but um, we just added a fifth one um, just last week. So. Um, my sister-in-law just had another one. So um, we have another little girl to add to the photo. Uh, my parents nurtured me in the Word of God, and they committed to teach us daily from the Bible. And they really prioritized being involved in church. Um, not pictured in here is my sister Amy, who God blessed my family with for 31 years, who passed away almost eight years ago. And she is just as much of a part of my family as my current family. Um, and she is a special member in my um, story as well, as I would love to share with you guys eventually. And DJ and Gigi walked through that with us as well. And so that's why they are also very special to us. Um, next one. Um, this is me when I was seven years old. Um, yes, glasses, toothless, <laughs> um, little girl. But my mom was the one who introduced me to Jesus Christ at that age. Um, it took me until I was seven years old to realize I was a sinner and um, did bad things. And um, at that point, my mom was ready and able to explain to me from the Bible that the only person truly able to take away my sin was the person of Jesus Christ. And that night I believed, and um, I believe that he died and he rose again to repair the broken relationship that he had with me and all the people that he has created. And my relationship with him has just grown because of my parents' commitment. Soon after I committed my life to follow Christ, I read of Isaiah's calling in Isaiah chapter 6, 
where he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom should I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah was able to say, Here am I, send me. Um, I love this passage, and it's just been continually keeping to teach me um, in Isaiah 6 how the Lord really um, led Isaiah in that, that phrase, in that phase of life where he not only saw this beautiful vision of who God was, but at that point he realized he was a sinner and had no way of even communicating with God and how God made a way for him to communicate. And when God put that call in his life, he immediately was like, here, here I am, send me. Um, and how God had just made him ready in that time frame to do so. And I just remember as a seven-year-old just being struck by that. And it really just started the scriptural journey of my life um, towards missions. Because at that point, I was like, I want to be sent. I want to be sent in some way um, to some country. Um, I had had a friend visit when I was five years old um, from Brazil. She was an MK in Brazil. And I knew at that point, I was like, I want to be a missionary because that sounds really fun and exciting. And I had no clue what missionaries did, except that they lived in a cool culture that <laughs> was really neat. Um, so just my understanding of missions grew as I grew in my faith as well. Uh, next slide. So his calling stood, or Isaiah's experience stood out to me as a personal calling. And so I started pursuing ways to learn about sharing Christ with those who had never heard. Uh, from the age of 16 on, I was able to visit six different countries through short-term missions trips. This photo is from Thailand. Uh, where I spent three months living with the girl in the picture. Um, she spoke only Thai, and I spoke only English, and it was a blast. <laughs> um, and I really fell in love with the Asian culture there. Uh, I was led to attend Word of Life Bible Institute for two years, and then transferred to Columbia International University to finish up with a bachelor's degree in intercultural studies. Um, I'm so thankful to have people around me in my life who've been able to help me to be equipped to go in um, the time frame that God had wanted me to go in. Next slide. So my education and conversations led me to look for an agency that was passionate about learning the culture of the people they worked with. This pursuit led me to OMF International. This um, mission organization was started by Hudson Taylor back in 1865. So it is an old organization. It was first named China Inland Mission. Hudson Taylor um, returned back to Britain overwhelmed and exhausted by the need of the gospel to be shared in China and a realization of the lack of workers that were there. And so Hudson T. started praying and developing a team and a fellowship that turned into the foundation of what OMF is today. God provided people to be the answers to his prayers, and God provided the means for them to get to China. Um, just a year after that prayer was prayed, 16 other people joined him in China. One of them was a man with only one leg. And when challenged about this, um, saying, hey, the difficulties in China, you're not going to be able to get around, you're not going to be able to have health care, you know, it's going to be hard there. And he said, well, I don't see people with two legs going, so I'm going to go. <laughs> and so this is some of the fervor of what um, that first group of missionaries went over to China with. 
Now, unfortunately, communism took over China in 1949, and the following year, the general director of uh, the CIM ordered all the missionaries to leave China. And at that point, they had to figure out whether they were going to dissolve the mission or stay on. And they decided to stay on and to call it Overseas Missionary Fellowship and to go into broader south, south, southeastern Asia. Um, so they just started um, expanding into different places in Asia. And um, then they were able to become completely international, move their headquarters to Singapore. And, in, um, yeah, and that took place in 1993. Next slide. All right, here's where Cambodia is. Um, it is nestled between Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam. It is slightly bigger than Pennsylvania, but not by much. If we would put Pennsylvania right over Cambodia, it's about the same length. Um, it's just a little wider. So um, if Pennsylvania reached down to Virginia, that would be the size of Cambodia. Um, it has a population of over 16 million, while Pennsylvania has a little less than 13 million. It's a beautiful country of rice fields and towns along the river, sometimes even on the river. Uh, but then there are these mountain regions and major cities like Phnom Penh that has two million people in it. Next slide. While some of the scenes may be beautiful, the people are what visitors talk about. The people in Cambodia are known as friendly, happy, resilient people. Many live simply and work hard. Many are subsistent farmers and fishermen. Textile and tourism are other sources of income. Out of the 44 people groups in Cambodia, 19 of them are filled with people living lives completely without Christ. Behind the welcoming and joyful faces of those born before 1980 is also a suppression of grief and mental trauma. Next slide. From the years 1975 to 79, a communist group called the Khmer Rouge had complete control over Cambodia. It was deemed the most savage slaughter of the 20th century. The entire nation was turned into a vast labor camp and graveyard. Anyone who had an education higher than third grade, anyone who knew a skill such as carpentry, electronic work, anyone who even had glasses, Anyone with a belief different from the idealism of the Khmer Rouge was killed on the spot when found out. I recently read of a man named Rabina who lived during this time. He had to hide the fact that he was a believer and he had to flee from one place to another. At one point he heard that there were mass shallow graves being found. As he walked among the possessions and the bodies of an entire class of people Completely wiped out, he looked at the photographs scattered everywhere. Family portraits, smiling wedding groups, graduations, religious ceremonies, new babies. Their world no longer existed. He mourned the lives that were now forgotten in the forest, feeling the loneliness and poverty of his life as a Cambodian. The real world he lived in was torn and shapeless, black clothes draped over expressionless skeletal bodies. Soon after this incident, his wife and his last remaining child were also killed. As soon as he heard, he immediately had to run for his life. Quoting directly from his story, it says, 
As he grieved, Rabina's mind was stayed by dwelling entirely in the past. To think on the present was intolerable. To think on the future, impossible. It became a time of journeying inwards, rethinking, reevaluating, gaining new understandings of himself and of God. This account was taken from the book Killing Fields, Living Fields, um, and is a really um, good documentary, not documentary, a book on um, the church before, during, and after the Khmer Rouge, if you're interested in learning more. Everyone over 40 years old in Cambodia remembers this time. Rabina had Christ, but most of them did not. Next slide. Even now, they are not only facing the mental fears from the past, but they're also feeling the weight of the entrapment of Buddhism. Cambodia has been predominantly a Buddhist nation since the 13th century, but Hinduism, animism, and Chinese religion are mixed in as well. Buddhism focuses on giving charity to monks and building beautiful temples to merit favor for the next life or to make up for generational sins. 95.9% of the population live with absolutely no hope for eternity. And they spend their lives working to gain merit from Buddha or other gods or to appease the spirits to better their next life or the life of their already deceased parent. Yet we know that this is the only life they will live here on earth. But we also know that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law, free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So I have lived in the balance of these two facts, not being able to reconcile that God says that these people can have true freedom and a refusal to go tell them. Because this is not okay. And I can't look at their situation and be okay with it. Next slide. Cambodia is the second poorest nation in Southeast Asia. Not only are there slums, but child labor is extremely high. 10 years ago, there was 313,000 children in the worst forms of slavery like drug trafficking and sex trafficking. There are very few adults who possess a higher level of education, so most everyone has extremely low-paying jobs. And this leads to children needing to work and to children being sold. Cambodia is a sending, receiving, and transient country for trafficking, most often for the purpose of commercial sex, begging, domestic work, fishing, construction, and even adoption. They're thrown into some of the most dangerous work with absolutely no regard for their safety or protection. What is able to stop this madness? Maybe I need to rephrase that. Who? Next slide. Because the only solution is Jesus Christ. This is the only one that is able to change their hearts, to help them find forgiveness, to let them see how love can be a part of their family dynamic. 
Vashna's story is only one example of how Christ is working, and I'd like to relate it to you. Vashna said he hated Christians. But in ninth grade, he heard about a Christian group conducting a music class. He had always dreamed of playing the guitar, and the class was free. He decided to go, despite the Christians, and prepared himself to be very careful and to not get involved. Unfortunately, he said, we needed to pray to the Christian God at the start of the class. I prayed, but only for the sake of playing guitar. He was invited to a Sunday service, and being curious to see how Christians worship their God, he went. The message was about the offering from the old woman in Luke 21, 1-4, and was an eye-opener for him. You see, Buddhism had taught him the more we offer to a God, the more we earn. And we earn righteousness. Yet Jesus considered what the poor woman offered the most among the offerings. And he started to learn more about Christianity. And soon after, he decided to accept Jesus as his personal savior. After some time, he sensed God calling him to be a pastor. He wanted to affirm God's calling and made a deal with God. If someone from his family became a Christian by the end of the year, he would accept the calling. Vashna began praying. But no one responded until the very last Sunday of the year. This is when God proved his might and faithfulness as the one who actually responded to the gospel was the one that he had prayed for the least. His father, who was a medical doctor, and he didn't think that he would ever believe in any spirit or supernatural God. Rashna entered into the new year apologizing to God for limiting him and committing himself to the call God had given him. These are the stories that come out of Cambodia. And it humbles me because their stories are phenomenal. Uh, their, their call to the Lord and their willingness to go. And it's just that, that desire to be able to encourage them and help them and aid them in that. My team and I will be looking for ways to build relationships with people and to be able to meet some of their needs so that we can have opportunities to share Christ and disciple the believers around us. Next slide. And this is what I, I, this is what I believe God wants to see. He wants to see Cambodian families come to him to be baptized and embrace the purpose that he has for them. He wants to see authentic, natural worship and people being discipled. He wants to see Cambodia turn into a nation who has made him the Lord. Wouldn't it be awesome for other countries to look and see the change that Christ can make an entire nation? This is the hope and the prayer of my heart. When they were giving introductions to each of the countries at my Canada orientation, they said that in Cambodia the gospel is going far, but it is not going deep. There is so much hurt that families have gone through and discipleship needed. And this is when Colossians 2, 6-7 started to make sense for me. To give a little bit of background of the book of Colossians, it was written by Paul and Timothy around 60 AD to the church in Colossae, a church they had never even met. This Gentile town that used to be a popular center of commerce, but had now been eclipsed by the towns of Laodicea and Heropolis, 
had heard the gospel from a man named Epaphras, a pupil of Paul's. Epaphras had visited Paul when he was in prison and told him about the faith of the church in Colossae, but also informed him about the social pressures that were tempting the church, tempting the people to turn away from Jesus. Paul wrote this letter to encourage the Christians to address some of the issues that were raised and then challenge them to greater devotion to Jesus. History tells us that this area was engulfed in a society that worshipped all kinds of Greek and Roman gods and was also involved in mystic polytheism. The church was being pressured to just add Jesus to the mix, similar to the pressures that the Cambodian churches faced. They were also being pressured by the Jewish believers to obey all the little details of the law, in a sense, telling them that to be a Christian, you must become Jewish. Do people in other countries have to take on the lifestyles of Americans or Europeans to become Christian? No, this idea even continues to this day. He wants them to see the beauty, his beauty in their culture that he has made for them. And that's when Paul tells them, you can go ahead and turn the, sl the slide there. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you were taught, overflowing in it with gratitude. Just a few of the words that stand out in this um, passage are just amazing. Um, he says, so walk in him. Um, meaning not only to just make progress, but to walk full circle, to live a life conformed to the union entered into with Christ. And then he says to be rooted and built up in him. Like I said, my dad is a landscaper, and I've seen him dig up a lot of trees in my life. Most of them have a strong root system because that makes a healthy tree. If they don't, they will easily die when winter comes or lack of water. Roots help a tree to become stable. It strengthens it, it establishes it in the ground it is planted in. This is the same image we can have in Christ. It's repeated again in Ephesians 3.17. It's the communion that we have with Christ. While the word rooted implies a vitality and is in the past tense, the word built up implies a solidarity and is in the present tense. It's like building a tower or a wall or a structure. And it's that constant increase in Christian knowledge. And then finally he says, an established in the faith or to be strengthened in the faith. Strong's Dictionary says to stabilitate. It is to confirm or make sure. This causes us to be steadfast in our fellowship with Christ. I've had the privilege to be able to take on each of these steps, to be able to not only accept the faith that I had received in Christ Jesus, but to also to walk in him, to be rooted, to be built up and established in my faith. And this is the call and the cry of the hearts of the believers and the people in Cambodia, is to not just receive Christ Jesus the Lord, but also to be able to know how to walk with him and then to take that next step of being rooted in a relationship with him and then to be built up and to be established in their faith. And that will overflow 
into gratitude or thankfulness. Um, the Greek word is eucharistia, and it is connected to the word grace, an active giving of thanks for God's grace. I love that um, Pastor Nick, I heard a little bit of his sermon last week, and I love that he was saying about discipleship and that a disciple is someone who sits under the teaching of someone. And I love that you guys are learning about discipleship. Um, it is so needed, um, not only in places like Cambodia, but it is also needed in places like here. The very fault, the text that comes right after this passage is a warning. It says to be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. He is telling them how to have new life in Christ that transcends the ethnic and the social boundary lines of our world. Practically, it changes even the family structure of not only in their day the authoritarian Roman household, but in our day as well. Christ doesn't abolish the household structure. He just demands that it be transformed. Much like it did for a man named Sochia, who lives in Cambodia. And that is a video that I'll let you guys see now. I never knew my real father. He was killed in an accident when I was a baby, and my mother remarried. My stepfather mistreated us, and so eventually she left him. My mother died when I was a teenager, but she had become a Christian and told me we'll be together in heaven, which gave me hope. After that, my uncle cared for me. He is a Christian also, but he was killed two years later. I felt very alone, no hope for the future, and no one to take care of me. But in this darkest moment, I feel God say, I'll take care of you. When I first met Sochia, I saw a unique young man who I wanted to walk alongside with. God was powerfully at work in his life as we prayed together, studied the Bible together, and served together at the local church. Sochia's desire was always to have a father of his own, but I knew I couldn't fill that role. Thankfully, over time, Sochia realized that he had a father in heaven that could meet all his needs. As we walked alongside with each other, I saw his faith continually being challenged, but I also could see him grow, and I've received and I've learned so much by sharing in his spiritual journey. I got to know Sochi when he was working in the OMF library. 
quickly realized this is a young man with a real and personal relationship with Jesus. When I needed some help translating materials for a counseling course I was teaching, I approached him. So Ji was keen to learn about counseling, and later he expressed an interest in further study. At Mercy Medical Center, a Christian hospital where I worked, a counseling role had become available. An OMF team leader, aware of Sochia's counseling skill and interest, suggested him. Sochia was the perfect candidate. It's amazing to see how God is shaping Sochia for this role, giving him a heart and ability to understand and connect with clients, while also naturally sharing his faith with others. At the medical center, there are many opportunities to share my faith, to comfort and support the people. One day I was feeling very tired. All I could pray was, Lord, show me what to do. And then there is a man sat next to me and he asked me, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And he told me that he heard about Jesus on radio, but he don't know much. After hearing about the gospel, he wanted to be a Christian. I prayed for him and I gave him a Bible. But sometimes, relationship with patient is sad and painful, like part of my own life. Once I supported a dying woman by staying by her side when her family were too exhausted. I also prayed for them and helped them through this terrible time. I felt helpless, but trusted God would be the same loving Father to them. My childhood has many painful parts, but something good had come from them. I understand the pain, fear, worries of the patient when they come to the center. Being ill forces them to ask big questions. God has put me there to walk alongside them, as Marcos and Mary did for me. That's what I want to live for, pointing others to God our Father. Cambodian society is dealing with so much hurt and a need of people to come alongside and give them hope. There is fear. There is vices to cover up the trauma. They need Jesus, and they need to know how to grow in a relationship with him. We're not that much different. Are we walking with the Lord eager to share about him to the lost in our world? Are we seeking to help each other to be rooted, built up, and established in our faith? I covet your prayers as I'm entering a world that is spiritually very dark. I'm looking for partners that will take on the responsibility of holding me up in prayer. And I would like to pray for you as you are praying for me. So I don't expect true partnership to happen just through this presentation. If the Lord is leading your heart towards this ministry, please talk to me afterwards and I can set up a time to meet and answer all your questions. There's, there will be a sign up on the back table if you want to receive my prayer letters as well. There's prayer cards, there's free P 
pins and free pens um, if you want them. And um, yeah, I just, if God is laying this on your heart to walk alongside me in this, I would love to get together with you. Love to share more about Cambodia. Love for you guys to walk on this journey with me. I thank you so much for letting me share in this church. I feel like it's a family because it's part of DJ's family. And so I feel like we're all connected and, and together in this. So thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you are joining us midweek. Today's message is a special message from a Cambodia missionary. Her name, Emily Greenwald. This message was given during our Sunday evening service on February 14th, 2020. We want to encourage you to join us in person at one or all of our services. Our doors are open Sunday mornings at 1030, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, and Wednesdays at 645. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. When you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message. You will always be up to date. We hope this message would be an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. So grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Hey, 